Marketing Made Easy, the podcast on this episode. The attitude is real. Uh, of course, it's context dependent, right? It's like, I'm not just going to, you know, slap a baby's ass or something like that. I'm not going to cuss out my grandmother. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an idiot in that way. Everything's very, very deliberate online. Now, here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Made Easy by the Get Savvy Club. It's Anna Geary here. And of course, we have Anita Baldwin. Hello. This week's episode, we are interviewing Mitch Miller, otherwise known as Father Freedom. He runs a business called Opposed Media. He's going to tell us all about how he's been managed to be banned from Facebook seven times um, and some brilliant, brilliant, brilliant insights into um, how to be a copywriting genius, which is great. Listen in to further on into the podcast where you'll hear as well how to win the book that he recommends. Right, let's get into this. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. One of the main things that I wanted to ask you, um, which has like, been bugging me, and it's, I suppose it's out there somewhere, but I couldn't find like the reason why. And it will probably help explain to the listeners who don't know you as well a bit about yourself and your background is where did the name Father Freedom come from? And do you want us to call you like Father or do you want us to call you? Yeah, you call Father Freedom, Daddy Liberty. Um, I mean, no, call me anything you want. No, That'd like, be kind um, of weird if I was calling daddy on this podcast. It, yeah. <laughs> There's a time and place for everything. And I don't think a yeah. podcast is that flip. Um, I actually, my, my Facebook account right now is a new account because, uh, I got banned last year seven times. And because of that, wow. my account was completely shadow banned. See that I, I pushed the limits to see how far I can go. Um, so that I can, show my followers that line and I found that line seven times and then my account was so shadow banned that I mean we could still pull a million a year off of the like just organic social but it was like it was hard to do I had to I had to fill events and then we had to sell the. it was just it was a nightmare so I just got rid of the account um and then I just started one up last month again and so uh primarily over the last six years with opposed media specifically um that's our company um was was all about organic social media marketing I actually started out doing copywriting for people. And then once we got incredible results with that, then we started teaching people how to do the same and then teaching people social media marketing in general. Um, and then our thing is live events. That's what we're all about. So the father freedom thing came about, I think my business partner just randomly said it for fun because um, there's actually quite a bit of symbolism in, in it. So father represents, uh, it can represent like the sun, it can represent like the God, God, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It can also represent like a protective element over the market. So I like to think in, in some way, like Jabraham used to say in the 80s, even he was like, you want to be seen as the trusted advisor to your market more than just say just a salesman to them. And so you want to think of them as your valued clients and people that you protect and kind of look over. And so I think of father in that, in that kind of way as well, in that kind of protection way. And then freedom is my highest value. And so, uh, and, and usually I find that it's the highest value of my, my following as well in general. And so father freedom has a lot of symbolism to it in, in, in terms of people feel like they can rely or relax into, um, a lot of what I have to offer. That's where it came from. And it's fun. Like, it's just ridiculous because the name catches on. It's just kind of fun. Um, some people were saying I should drop it, but then I'll be in an airport. People like father freedom, like what? Well, I'd be, I'd be in the Philippines randomly on the back street and then some, some dude would ride, ride past me on a bicycle three times. And I'm like, all right, am I about to die right now? And then all of a sudden he goes, are you father freedom? I was like, 
I don't know. Am I? <laughs> should, I should I say yes or no right now? Yeah. So what were you banned for on Facebook then? He hasn't learned his lesson either, I have to say, Mitch, because oh, no. about an hour ago, you used the like, <laughs> C word against somebody a little bit. Something yeah. that you could get, like, probably somebody could complain about you. And you yes, totally, like, totally, yeah. totally. Stand-up comedy dark comedy to me are very, they're, they're super important. I'm actually highly passionate about that because uh, they're like stamping out comedy is not a good thing. Stamping out dark comedy, um, pushing the lines of words you can't say. George Carlin, I think it was 1967, I could be wrong, but he came out with a, a, a stand-up special that was like the seven words you cannot, absolutely cannot say on television. And he went on to just say them and talk about them in his stand-up routine. And so what I, the way I see a lot of what I do online, and this, this applies to, um, everybody listening who wants to do uh, to, to, to do marketing, especially on social media, um, you don't have to go as extreme as I do. You have your own style, your own personality, your own values, your own uh, line of what you won't, will and won't cross when it comes to content and how you uh, are, are appropriate on you, for you online. But for me, um, I don't see, I, I see humor, especially dark humor and controversial humor is is, 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 is topics on the fringes that we generally don't talk about and that makes us uncomfortable. And when you bring those up and talk about them to the surface, there are also things that we usually commonly agree upon or at least um, know that we're stuffing them under the rug. And so bringing those up and those shared experiences that we've been keeping down kind of as taboo, um, we, we kind of laugh at them. And it's actually like a coping mechanism. I think uh, comedy is mm -hmm. a defense mechanism, especially mm -hmm. dark comedy, because of those, those topics that we keep taboo underneath the rug actually provide a, a fair amount of stress for us because they are under the carpet. Um, being able to relieve some of that stress uh, through comedy, I think is, is very important. Actually in, um, in Auschwitz, when uh, Victor Frankl was in, uh, in the concentration camp for, I, th I can't remember how many years he was there, but he wrote in Man's Search for Meaning that a lot of times the only way that they could get through the day without um, just giving up was the, the, the dark comedic jokes that they would have between each other. That would be absolutely terrible. Like can you just imagine like they make jokes about the concentration camp with the dead guy beside them, like just like kind of twisted stuff, but it's that dark humor that actually kept them alive because it's a defense mechanism. So when yeah. people are trying to take that humor away or some people say, you know what, your jokes aren't funny. So you shouldn't be on the thing. It's like, be very careful of that. It's like, that's, I take that very seriously because you, who are you to say what's not funny and what, and what somebody should or shouldn't say or, or find funny because mm -hmm. in a lot of cases it can be an actual defense mechanism and a coping mechanism for somebody's life. Yeah, it's often used by the emergency services, isn't it? They have a, various forms of dark humour that they'll use to cope with their jobs because they see such horrific things. Um, and in a world of political correctness gone mad, it would be a shame to get rid of all of that just so that we all end up vanilla and completely bland. The worst thing I find is, um, like, I I am really bad. So, uh, and I've got quite good at, like, um, like some of the things me and Anita would voice note each other, for example, yeah. I probably wouldn't say on this podcast. And I, I, I wouldn't yeah, put yeah, them yeah, yeah. in a um, post and I wouldn't, because I don't want to get shut off Facebook, but, but also I don't want to inadvertently, like, upset someone um because they've read it the wrong way or they don't get my humor and when i when i had a proper job i was always getting into trouble because i was always upsetting somebody unintentionally they were just um basically they it was them not me you know they they just couldn't get they yeah. didn't get the humor they either people loved me or they absolutely hated me because they just didn't get it but my um daughter has the same 
uh, humour as me, and she um, <laughs> and we in our house are just really open and like it, it's ridiculous. And then I send her to school, <laughs> and so the calls that I've <laughs> had back from the school saying, "Did you know Serena says this?" I'm like, "Yeah, I know," but that's because that's just you know she's not trying to be. Just thirteen-year-old kid. She's not. Right, and she's right. not a bully. She doesn't bully or direct anything at anyone. But she just sees things and she says them. And actually, it's it is such a shame that people can't or are being more and more sort of restricted in in that sense. And what I was referring to earlier is like about an hour ago, somebody yes. told you to stop mansplaining to them because I think yes. like you just pointed out a really good point on Facebook actually about um, people. What was it like? She was, she was basically saying like. Um, some someone didn't like the Cardi B song. I forget who you posted it. Even I was just I was in a rush. But but someone didn't like the Cardi B song. I thought it was the lyrics were disgusting. And then someone replies saying they should women should be able to do whatever the hell they want. How about we stop you know shaming them and letting allow not allowing them to do what they want. And then I was like, well, <laughs> this is kind of funny because you're literally doing the same thing. You're shaming and not allowing this one this woman to do whatever you want by saying that she didn't she found this song disgusting. Yeah. It's like, so I was like, I was yeah. pointing it was funny because awesome. I was just thinking that as I was scrolling through and then your thing. And I thought, I was just thinking that, but again, yeah. you said it, but I didn't. And then, um, the, the lady said like, um, oh, I'm fed up yeah. with like your mansplaining. Yeah, 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 yeah. So of you course, called it yeah. woman-splaining. And then said, what did you say? And then I, and then she, she, she kept going on. So I said, I said, uh, I said, stop cunt-splaining me. And that, and that, that usually just ends it. Yeah. Because yeah. like. It's like, it's like, it's very low brow. It's like, it's like, what did he just really say that? Yeah. And, uh, but it's that's, like, that little off the cuff messing about absurd. comment means that it's you absurd. might get banned again. How that's possible. Insane is that? But I don't care. But like, no, it's, it's, it's absurd to me. Like it's absurd to me. The, I love pointing out hypocrisy and stuff like that. Mm. It's, 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 it's kind of, a, it's, it's slightly a waste of time. You have to but be the, careful, the don't thing, you? Don't get dragged thing. into things that aren't your... Like well, it's not your fight to pick. Sometimes you get. So like- here's my here's my secret to that. Like, and it's true. But like, so my secret to this is it's 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 a lot like say stand up comedy. Also, when somebody is uh, when there's a dialogue back and forth, someone either wants to like a heckler doesn't want to like a heckler at the show doesn't want to like have a back and forth conversation about what you said and get to the truth. They just want to heckle you. Right. And so online there's people who just want to shame you, silence you, shut you up, heckle you or dismiss you. Or there's people who actually want to have that back and forth conversation, even if they don't disagree, even if they're snarky and sassy about it. I know the difference between the two. So when someone says, you know, this, the mansplaining thing to my comment, it's like, okay, like I understand that she would be maybe, maybe butthurt or disagree with what I said about pointing out the hypocrisy because many people you pointed out, they don't generally see it, but, but then to, to, to just dismiss, it's like basically saying, Oh, you're mansplaining dismiss. It's like di- everything you've just said is dismissed completely. Therefore for me, it's like, there is no, dis- there is no discourse. So that's, so yeah. that's how I decide whether I'm going to just like, just, just have fun and be absurd and just put the hammer down and, and just, you know, go low brow or something for fun versus actually, cause I wouldn't just in another context, I wouldn't do that. And it's the same with like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't randomly use that word in Starbucks. The copywriting is where it really started for you, wasn't it? Cause I wanted to speak to you about like copywriting in general and like the genius of it and how, like, how does one get good at copywriting? Is it like <laughs> just a gift or can people genuinely learn it? What's, what are your thoughts on that? People can genuinely learn it. So here's here's a crazy thing is like, we're, we're in the midst of creating this. We're, I'm revolutionizing, hopefully in my mind, um, the whole idea of copywriting, like the, the word has to die. The ideas have to die. 
Um, most of the technical stuff that, that's involved in copywriting has to die because people are just regurgitating uh, mountains of knowledge that they've heard before. And it's all, it's not helpful to the average person. So the way I think of cop, it's, it's simple. Anybody can do it. And you don't have to be a good writer because the truth is there's so many different styles of copywriting. There's so many styles that work. I mean, there's so many personalities, there's so many different types of words. So obviously it's not this wordsmithing and all this shit that actually matters. Um, because, and, and so here's the way I look at copywriting. First of all, brand positioning um, trumps all copywriting. Um, and what I mean by that is um, John Mayer is an excellent guitar player, maybe one of the best in the world. He's at my favorite for sure. So if, uh, if John, John Mayer wants to release a guitar course, on how to play guitar, then literally he could just put out a tweet that is like a fart sound and then a link. And then yeah. millions of people are going to buy his damn course. And it doesn't matter if he doesn't have a single testimonial there. Those It's already baked into his positioning. John Mayer is doing a course. You're going to buy it. Now you could have a, a, somebody who is way better of a technical player, uh, way more experienced. He can have uh, he can have a way better course and he could have it for cheaper. Um, but he, he would have to move mountains to try to sell as many as John Mayer would because John Mayer is a brand positioning. So one of my secrets is brand positioning that allows me to have, it allows you to make more errors in your copy and have them pass through. It allows you to do less work to sell more because when you, when you get your brand positioning in order, so to speak, and to me, a lot of people are like, what does that mean? Or like everyone has these vague, I don't like vague things. So to me, brand positioning is supply and demand. Your seesaw of supply and demand is in the right place. You have, there's more perceived demand for you in a marketplace than there is, than there is a perceived supply of you. And because of that, you're going to, they're always going to be, people will want to work with you and they were willing to pay a premium for it and, uh, and things like that. So the supply and demands in your, in your, in your favor, and now your copywriting works a lot better. So to me, copywriting is two things, it's strategy and it's execution. Strategy is what do I say and in what order do I say it in? That's that's how mm. I think of strategy. The execution is okay, writing the shit down, editing it down, making the final, making the design look good, make the layout look good. That's 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 all the stuff that that's that's barely important. What matters to me is the strategy. It's like what do I say and and what the hell order do I say it in? So here's why everyone sucks at copy, and, and they don't have to, is because it's all context dependent. Like I said, and the same thing I wouldn't say, I'd say consplaining in a comment there because of the, this, my brand and this and that and, and, and whose post it was and things like that versus not say that in Starbucks in line as somebody, right? Yeah. Um, so the, the context, that's what matters. So when we're looking at copywriting, copywriting is very simple. It's two things, a strategy and execution. Strategy is what do I say? What order do I say it in? So if we start with what do I say? <sighs> Now you have to think, okay, well, who, who am I saying it to? And then you got to get into who, who, who am I talking to? What do they want? All those things we kind of think of typically as copywriting. You got to have your customer avatar. You got to know their fears and their motivations and stuff like that. That's all great. That's all fine and well. And you know what? Most people actually kind of know those, although there's one th piece that they get wrong, which I might share later, that kind of taints the whole thing. They don't get to the core of it. They don't get to the bullseye. They're kind of just playing around in the outside edges. They're like, they don't hit the fear correctly or they don't get deep enough with the with the dream or whatever, but the, what the, the one secret to copywriting, I believe, and I'll, I'll, I'll prove this right when I release the program is the, what order do I say it in? So there's different recipes. Okay. So like, let's say, and I broke these down and there's like fucking 40 of these. And I'm like, Oh, this is why people suck. This is why it's not, it has nothing to do with them. It has, it has all to do with the situation. So I call these situations. So if, if copywriting is strategy and execution strategies, what do I say and what order do I say it in? What order do I say it in uh, depends on the situation and that depends on the context. So 
you can break down, you can break down the, the situations and context into a few different categories. One is, are you extracting money or are you trying to extract a lead? Like, so it's like, okay, well then, so it's like, are you going for lead, like an action? Or are you going for uh, money? Cause those are two different things, a sale or a lead, right? So, okay, we can break it into those two. Now it's like, okay, if you break it into sale, we have to look at what variables matter when we're talking about making a sale. So what sales situations do we have? It's like, okay, well we have, is it um, like a, a, a high commitment or low commitment sale, right? So is it like uh, some sort of coaching where you have to like do something with somebody for eight weeks and they have to do this whole thing for eight, 10 weeks or something, or is it a low commitment where it's like a, it's a $7 ebook, right? So yeah. there's high commitment, low commitment. So you're asking for money, high commitment, low commitment. Um, and, and, uh, as far as the person's commitment level and, and, and compliance and energy and time they, and effort they have to take after, after they buy now the, so the high commitment, low commitment is one variable. The next variable is high, high price, low price. Now, of course that's relative to them, but still high price, low price. So it's, and, and, and so you have these different variables. And so when you have these different situations, you're like, okay, I'm doing this. And now is it a product or a service that you're selling? Right. So it's product service. High commitment, low commitment, high price, low price. And is it new customer, old customer, new customer, yeah. returning customer? So when you have all these variables, all of a sudden now you can see when we're talking about, okay, I'm going to do, um, I'm going to write a piece of copy to sell something. All of a sudden, how many different situations do we have? We have under new customer, we have, is it, is it service, is it product? And if, it's, if it is, is it high, high commitment, low commitment, or high price, low price? And the amount of combinations you can have just between new customer, old customer, new product, old product, all of those, all the different possible combinations or situations, there's like 50 right there. And all of those require a different recipe. Yeah. And, so, and then same with, okay, let's go on to the lead side. All right, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not writing a piece of copy for sales. I'm trying to get a lead. So I'm trying to get a phone call or an email address or even a comment or something or a Facebook message. Okay, well, again, is it high, high commitment? It's, it's the same thing. New customer, is it high, high commitment, low commitment would be like, is you trying to get them to apply for a phone call and get on a phone call with you? Or is it just give me your email address? Yeah. Or just like put thumbs up in the comments or something like that. And I'll send you a message. So you have like a hundred different situations now that all require a different, slightly different recipe because if it's a new customer versus a returning customer, there's certain things you don't need to say, or there's certain things you need to say. And so because of that, and there, or if it's a lead versus a sale, there's certain things you don't need to say and you want and not want to say first. Okay. I'm not going to say the price on this because it's a lead. So all that isn't saying, try not to, not to confuse anybody, but what I'm trying to say is that, there's slightly different recipes that work for each situation and there's like a billion different situations. And so that's what trips people up is they don't know if they just had the little recipe, if they knew, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to write a piece of copy today because I want to get uh, people on the phone with me. So therefore, and, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a high commitment, but it's also, and, 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 and it's, and it's, and it's people who have bought from me something before and it's for a lead. Oh, because I know those three, four variables. Now here's my little recipe. I have to say this, 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 and this, and this, in this order. Okay. Well, if I have to say these three things, how do I find out what those three things are? And then that, then you go find out what those three things are. You stick them in there. It's like a recipe. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's what, what screws people up with copywriting. And I don't think anyone's ever talked about that before, to be honest. 
So how long ago did you kind of come up with all that? It's interesting because it almost says it's formulaic and once you know the formulas and which formula you apply to the situation, you can go and do it. So that's what you teach to people now, isn't it? So how long ago did you come up with that and, you know, how successful is it for you? I've only come up with this about three months ago. So I've been, okay. I've been studying... Yeah, I've been studying this for a long time, but I've been trying to, I've, I needed, I need to, re, I need to reinvent the copywriting industry because it's just so, it's so messed up and it's, it's just so, and people are just winging it. And the reason I, the way I came up with this is first principles by Elon Musk. I, and um, I took a lot of training through um, Boston Consulting Group and McKinsey and stuff like that. When they do consulting, they start with first principles. So if someone's like, I'm having trouble with my profits. I'm not, I'm not profitable. Well, the, McKinsey's like, okay, well, let's break this down to first principles. They're like, okay, well, uh, profit equals revenue, uh, you know, revenue minus costs. Um, so it's like, okay, well, what, what's driver of revenue? It's like, okay, this, 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 what's drive, what, what are the, what are the drivers of cost? It's like, okay, we have variable and we have fixed. It's like, and they, and you break it down into first principles. You start at the first principles. And that's what I just do with copyright. I start at the first principles. That's why I just said to you, what is copywriting? You break it down to first principles. It's, it's a strategy. And then it's the actual doing. And in the strategy, yeah. it, you can't break it down anymore into what the hell do I need to say? And what <laughs> order do I need to say it in to get people to you know, take me up on it. And then, and so I've, I've broken everything down into first principle that said, okay, well shit, what order do people have to say that what they have to say in? Cause most people screw that up. They're like, do I say this first? Do I take this to the price? Yeah. And they're like, what order do I say? Or this just stuff spew in? it out. <laughs> yeah. Or just, yeah, the kitchen sink approach, right? Uh, but the problem is that's actually the most terrible thing you can do because yeah. you, the more you say, this was, this is cool for people. Isn't it? The more that you say, in, in your in your sales pitch, the more you have to back up. Because if you say something that you don't back up, your whole credibility for the whole piece is shot. So if you're like, this is good, good for this, and it's going to help you do this, it's going to help you do this, all of a sudden, you, you, you didn't back those things up. So now you're just talking out your butt. Yeah. And so you want to actually claim the least amount of things possible so that you can actually prove them. Because you, you, if you claim five or six different things because you're throwing the kitchen sink at the, at the thing, all of a sudden you have to back all those up. Nobody has enough time to do that. And you don't. Most people don't back any of them up. So then nobody believes what you have to say. They don't buy. Look, my copy was so good. It was so long. I had all these emojis in there. I said all the good stuff. I had testimonials. It's like, it doesn't matter. You said way too many damn things. Say yeah. one thing, make them believe one damn thing. And then if you have other things to say, just point it to that. So if it's like, if you just want people to believe that your program makes them money, but you also want to say it'll make you a better parent, it'll free up time so you can play with your kids or whatever. If you want to say those things, you say those things and link them to the main thing. So you say, and you, you'll have more uh, free time to, to, you know, to play with your kids because my program is going to make you more money. You have to link yeah. it back to the, to the main yeah, one, not just yeah. have these random things. And I, I think I heard you, um, I don't know if it was on a podcast episode or, or something that you said, where you said, actually, is obviously people don't buy for many different reasons like there's usually three different reasons but you also mentioned the fact that people don't buy because they don't trust themselves either and that's a, that's a really important one that i think often we forget is that you know if you're if you're going to buy a, a, a program that's going to help you attract more clients therefore more money using your social media then it's like they need to trust themselves as well to trust that actually they're going to do the work this time because maybe they've bought seven other um, things that said a similar thing on a tin and they never did it. So now they're losing faith and trust in their own abilities. And it's, it's combating that, that I think is, is quite a tough, tough yeah. ask. In and, and, the real, and, the, and the reason I believe that we don't, that we, that we do that in our, in the first place is because we are, we're insecure. We're like, fuck. Uh, Cause we're like, it's kind of like the whole thing is like, you go to the mall and you're like, man, is that, what is everybody thinking about me? And then you realize that everybody's thinking of the same mm -hmm. thing. 
and nobody's thinking about you. Everybody's wondering what the, what people are thinking of them. Therefore, nobody's thinking of them. And the same thing here. So it's like you're, you're trying to sell and you're like, I'm trying to prove myself and my product so hard that you're forgetting that they're trying to prove it to themselves. They probably already believed you in the first line. People are easily will believe anything very easily. But once you've sold it, now you don't, now you, you keep overselling. Now you're going to convince them out of something they wanted to do, right? Like it lets, it's even like if you, if a guy like asks a girl on a date, it's like, okay, great. I'd love to go on a date. Great. It's like there, 7 PM. See you then. Now, but then the guy would be like, still trying to convince her that he's good enough for the date. And then eventually she's like, man, this guy's convincing me so hard just for this stupid date that like, He's convinced me there's something wrong with him. Yeah. <laughs> and then he talks himself out of something that you want to do in the first place. This is what people do all the time in copy. They talk people out of something that they already they, they make them want it within the first few paragraphs of the copy. And then by the time the pitch is done, they fucking talk the person out of it. Although I think sales pages and things like that are getting longer and longer, particularly American ones. You know, when you I look at them for research, obviously, and I'm scrolling and scrolling and they're repeating themselves and saying the same thing. And I'm just wondering when they're gonna stop. It's getting ridiculous. The longer the copy the more you sell as long as you're not repeating yourself the more you want more that you, you want them to pay the longer the copy needs to be because they need more reassurance i guess i think of copy more holistically i think of it as conversation in general um and and generally i think of uh and it depends how far down the buying line they are so i say you're right definitely if they're if they if they don't really know who you are your product yet or they're maybe not quite in the buying mode yet um if they already know you a long time like i've 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 done a little bit of copy and then some guy just replied and sent 10 grand to me it's like okay he didn't need much warming up but also like the copy can be short to get somebody on a phone call and then that the rest of that long copy is done on the sales call but it yeah. still had to be done in general that amount of mm -hmm. copy how do you help people now? How do you work with people? I've actually taken like a six month hiatus, I guess, to, to really write my new book and kind of craft out this new, this new evolution of copywriting, I guess you could say. So, um, when, when I, when I, when I nuked my, my Facebook page, um, I, I nuked everything. And so we have a couple partnerships where, um, where we'll write copy with our, with our partner, uh, for, for their business. And then we get a, a commission. And so we're lucky enough that we have a couple partnerships, like one's doing a million dollars a month, for example, we get 20% on that. So it's super cool that we can just do that and then write the copy. It kind of just works for itself. We do some tweaks here and there or not. Um, and then we have a, a Muay Thai gym in a studio here at the house and, uh, and I'm working on my book. Um, and so, and, and I, and I've always been big on my content, but what, one thing that I, I, I haven't done in a long time is we've, I mean, I think we have about 20 different courses out right now and we've done, you know, five, six, seven events a year for the last five years. But one thing that we haven't, I haven't really done, which I've wanted to do forever is just really unlock the secrets to, to how anybody could write killer copy fast without being a writer you mentioned there your gym is that um is that a gym that just you go to because it's at your house isn't it is that right so when when the lockdown first started we thought okay well i, I still want to go exercise and we had a friend who's a muay thai champion he has over 300 fights under his belt he's he's now an older dude so he he doesn't fight anymore but he he uh, he, he was working in the tourism sector and he and he and of course the lockdown screwed that up so we're like hey man we'll pay you full time to just come to our house every day in lockdown and just train us and he said okay oh, yeah. and we started training on the floor, but it's like slippery and you're sweating all over the place. We're like, shit, we got to get some mats in there. We got some mats. And then, and they're like, oh, we got to get some more punching bags. And we just started getting some stuff. We're like, hey, why don't we just make this a business, put him to work. And then also, you know, just 
make some money. I don't know. It's it's, gonna be a cool thing to do. And then it just kind of took off and we just, we, we, um, it's basically a social club now. So we're open to the general public. You have to kind of be a member in general of the social club, which gives you access to the Muay Thai training classes, the pool, the bar. We, we took our, our garage parkade and we renovated it into a, into a, a restaurant on top with stairs going up from the pool. And then we have like a bar area and then we have, um, the training area. And, and then inside the house, we have, we have so many un- rooms that are unused that we're going to turn this one into yoga. We're going to turn this one to a dance studio. Awesome. We're going to have this, this one into a, a Brazilian jujitsu kind of studio. And so it's just a, a fun way to pay the mortgage, pay the bills, um, and have that taken care of, put our friends to work and then also do something fun and social in the community. You have like this, um, like obviously part of your branding is that you're bad, bad boy and what I, and like you have like on your podcasting, like about a hundred cigarettes in your mouth, um, mm. in the picture mm. that's used on your podcast, but like, oh, is that you or not? I think I'm, I think I'm a paradox. So the answer is sometimes, I, I mean, I don't put a hundred smokes in, but that's the exaggeration and kind of the, yeah. uh, that's the, that's kind of the showmanship of, of the brand in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are stories that I can, that I can say recent and, and past that like you, you they're not fit for any, <laughs> any kind of, uh, any social media under any context. I mean, yeah. it, I, tell us when we finish the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm the type of guy that I will, I will have, I'll have, I'll have a kale smoothie followed by, you know, a line of cocaine or something like, yeah. or, or it'll just be like kale smoothies for three months. I think that's what more people are like, not necessarily, you know, hard drugs, but nobody, nobody's that good all the time. Are they really? Are they real? Those people? Yeah, and it's funny that I like hard drugs. I mean, it could be from time to time if I feel like it, like my point is that I think that, um, everybody who tries to portray themselves as perfect or this, that they're not a paradox in some way, they're completely fucking full of shit in their own way. Um, yes. the attitude is real. Uh, of course it's context dependent, right? It's like, I'm not just going to, you know, slap a baby's ass or something like that. Like a strange baby's ass. I'm not going to cuss out my grandmother. It's like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an idiot in that way. Everything's very, very deliberate online. Uh, very yeah. deliberate. Um, and more of a, a show in a way. So one of the questions we always ask everybody, cause we are the get savvy club is what makes you savvy. And you can take that in any context you want. All right. So, so one thing is that, um, I was my market in the most extreme sense of the word. And I went through the process of moving, uh, moving past all that. And so now I have this, um, unique way of being able to connect and talk with people who are in a position of where I was or, or, or something like that. So that's, that's one piece, but it's also a connected piece to that is that my brain naturally thinks laterally, I think laterally. And so I'm, I'm always kind of ahead of the game when it comes to creativity, when it, in marketing and things like that, it makes me savvy is that lateral thinking. So for example, if I'm like, I want to get on a pod get more on more podcasts, I don't just, you know, think who, who do I know or what can I do to try to get on a couple more podcasts? I say, I'm making an event of this. I'm doing a podcast marathon. And that's what I did a couple of years ago. I said, I'm going to do the world's first podcast marathon. I don't know if it was the world's first, but it was the first in our industry. I said, I'm going to do 50 podcasts in a day. I said, wow. and that's what I, and I posted it as a PR thing. I said, so instead of someone would be like, who has a podcast I can go on? I posted, I'm doing a podcast marathon, doing 50 in a day. Who wants to interview me? And all of a sudden you get all 50 booked up in a day. And then I rent a hotel room and I just do them for a whole day and want to kill myself at the end. But I can imagine turn it into a thing where I now have 50 podcast interviews out there in a day. So I want, so I, so I, I blew past my goal by like 50 or by 49. And then I did it all in one day. And then it actually became a, it became a PR stunt in, in and of itself. 
that that ability to think laterally and exaggerate everything and that, and that extends to metaphor and analogy part of what makes my copy unique is uh is the metaphor and analogy uh game and that can't that you can kind of teach you can teach that but it's it's torture for the person you're learning. really good at that really good some of the things that you just come up with is like where did that even you know and i think when people see you do that that's what when people believe that they can't do copy because the brain yes. just doesn't can't think of those things instantly which i guess you can't teach that bit but like you say once you get a formula you you, you can get better improve that stuff probably hurts my conversions on my copy to be honest i mean it's it's, it's it, that's the flair like that's the hmm. You know, that that's that's the sizzle on the steak but that's yeah. not but make no mistake that's not the steak you know what i mean it's like yeah. but but anyone can learn that kind of metaphor if they really want to i mean it's I, 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 people say i'm not good at metaphor it's like that's all you do is speak in metaphor it's like that's yeah. literally all we do if it was one little secret here is like if you think of up is alive and up is uh good and then down is uh dead and down is like rotten and fresh like everything that's like suppressed and depressed everything that's kind of down we think of down and everything think of up so if you're like you're doing something and you're saying and if you don't do this then you're gonna feel really down about yourself but now you realize okay everything that is uh, everything that could be down is 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 down so you could like death is down depressed is down um stock market's down you think of mm-hmm. what are all the things in the world that can go down and you'd be like, what, uh, um, the, 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 the twin towers can go down, stocks can go down. Um, you know, um, there's so many things that can go down and you're like, oh, now all of a sudden my brain can think of anything. Cause what I'm doing is I'm looking for a word. Cause it'd be like, oh, like, um, you could be looking for a, uh, I don't a metaphor for, you know, being depressed. It's like, you can, the, the genius is that you don't have to have a, the metaphor for being depressed doesn't have anything to do with depressed. It could be like, um, it could be anything that's going down. And that yeah. could be fucking actual things. So let's say the Twin Towers, like just very non-tastefully. But so if you're saying about something about being depressed, you don't have to say depressed. You can say, and my mood, my mood collapsed like the Twin Towers. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, it's like, it's wow, where'd that come from? It came from just not having to think of a metaphor that's related to being depressed or your mood going down. Anything that goes down can be substituted in. And all of a sudden it sounds genius. Wow. My mood collapsed like the twin towers. How do you think of that? Because I just thought of the word down and you can just think sideways. So another question that we ask everybody that comes onto our podcast is to, because we give away a book every uh, interview episode that we do, we give away a book and it's a book that uh, our guest has recommended. So if you've got a book that you can recommend either on marketing business or personal development, that'd be fantastic. You got one. This one I like, uh, Steal Like an Artist. Oh, yeah. It's a very easy read, which is why I like to uh, recommend this to people. Like very simple, very easy. And uh, and basically what it does is it'll, it gives you, when we're marketing online, especially on social media, all we have is content. That's that's basically all it is. And um, I mean, unless you're selling something, you got to have, have content. Like that's it. And so same with Hollywood. Like how did America get so popular throughout the world? Content, Hollywood. Um, they just took over with content. And so content is everything, but we have that again, that blank page. It's like, what do I do today? What do I do tomorrow? It's like, I don't, I feel like I've said it all. I don't know how to say it in the right way. So what steel like an artist does is he helps you realize through actual examples that nothing is, nothing is original, even in their own words. So for example, here's a quote by David Bowie. He says, the only art I'll ever study is stuff that I can steal from. No such thing as an original idea. And so this book will will give people the permission to create incredible content, knowing that it doesn't have to be completely original. 
Um, yeah. Musicians have this problem all the time. They can't write a song for the life of them because they're like, oh, fuck, I did this. But it sounds like, like this is the same four chords as all these other songs. It's like, yeah, there's only six chords in the goddamn, there's only 12 <laughs> notes in the music. So how do you, you know, and it's like, I got to come up with something original. It's like, you won't. There's only 12 notes. What's next for Mitch Miller, Father Freedom? Some sort of program that that we're, that I want to create right now with with this new kind of copy thing and with with a lot of this uh, with the content creation and marketing yourself. Um, I want to create a program that can basically replicate the live events that we've been doing and yeah. and put them online. And I don't know what that's looking like. We, are, we have a whole team dedicated to it right now. We're trying to sort it through and sort it out. So it's actually something that is great and doesn't fizzle out and all that. Um, and that's what we're up to. It's probably probably still a, a little ways away from launching something like that. Going to be making something like that, however that ends up looking like. Where can people find you? Where's the best place for people to get connected to you? My favorite place for people to con- connect not to Not Facebook, because you'd probably get banned. Not Facebook. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's YouTube. <laughs> Our, our, our opposed, opposed media YouTube channel is, uh, I think it's a sleeping, it's a sleeping giant. Cause we don't have that many followers on it yet, but we have over 200 training videos on there. I have, I have oh, some wow. copywriting and some marketing videos on some training that are five hours. I have some full seminars on there, three day seminars. And like, um, I have, yeah, we have like a couple hundred training videos on there for every kind of topic. I think it's just a, you know, a ridiculous resource for anyone who is interested in this kind of stuff. Excellent. We'll definitely put the link on uh, the show notes then for that. I'm really, really grateful for you to come on and uh, do this with us. Do you know what time it is for us here? Like we had this at like 7 a.m. So oh, my damn. stomach's rumbling now because I didn't have any breakfast before. <laughs> so, I bet you must be starving. <laughs> we'll look forward to one day meeting you, hopefully. Yeah, we'll around. look out for the events and what's happening. And I hope so too. In fact, we're going to be in Europe just in, in May. That was our plan. We were going to do an event in Ibiza and then we we're going to do one in London and then can't do it now. When you reschedule them, we'll, we'll, we'll come from Leicester here in uh, the UK over to Ibiza to see you. That sounds <laughs> like wonderful. a bad deal. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hopefully you make it out alive. <laughs> if you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe. That was Mitch Miller. Really cool guy. Really interesting story. In fact, Anna, on all of our interviews so far, we've met some very interesting people. I'm enjoying listening to it. So don't forget, we'll have another interview next week. And we'll also have um, the Get Savvy Quickie, which is out later this week. And um, we'll give you some actionable tips you can use for marketing your business. If you want to win the book that Mitch talks about, which was Still Like an Artist, which is, I'm definitely going to read it because um, it's inspirational to try and justify why you should look at everybody else and what they're doing and use all bits of it to help you in your business. Why not? Um, Then rate and review, take a screenshot of the episode in your review and post it on Instagram and tag us in. Or actually, you can post it on any social media platform and tag us in. That's fine. So uh, listen out for future episodes. Have a great week. And thanks very much. That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, join our Facebook group. Just search Get Savvy Club.